if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. It is indeed. And a good morning to you. Thank you for joining us. Please push that button, Derek. It is seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock, and it is a Friday, a free-for-all Friday, maybe unlike any other, because there is a free-for-all going on right now with rampant lawlessness in the United States of America. It's the 29th morning of the fifth month of the year of our Lord, 2020. 72 hours ago, all Americans, black and white, and every other color and ethnicity that we have in this gloriously diverse country, we were all united in our disgust and our anger and our sadness and our shock at the video that we saw of the actions that led to the death of Minneapolis resident George Floyd. We were united in that disgust and that shock and that sadness. We couldn't believe such a terrible thing had occurred. We couldn't believe the video. We couldn't believe the callousness of the officer who knelt on the man's neck with his hand in his pocket as if he needed to keep him down by knee-to-neck restraint, even though he had been handcuffed. We were stunned and shocked, all of us, black, white, and every color and ethnicity in this gloriously diverse country, at the callousness of the other three officers who ignored the pleas of both George Floyd and the bystanders who were shouting, let him up, he can't breathe, get off of him. Will you please make him get off of him? The other officers stood there and did nothing and refused to tell the officer who was holding him down in such an extraordinarily unnecessarily and cruel manner, they refused to even go to him and say, hey, why don't you get off of him? He's cuffed. He's not going anywhere. Why don't we sit him in the back of the police car? What a unique idea that might be. We were all united in our response to that. All of us, all colors. 72 hours later, where we are today, Nobody's even mentioning the name of George Floyd. George Floyd is an afterthought in all of this. The name George Floyd, if you ask that name or say that name 
to any of the thousands of protesters, and I will stop using that word shortly, because these are not protests, these are riots, these are not protesters, these are rioters, these are criminals, these are thugs of all colors. But ask any one of these rioters who George Floyd is, and I would be willing to bet you that more than half of them don't know. They don't know who he is or what his name has to do with why they get to go out there and smash windows and steal big screens. They have no idea what the name George Floyd has to do with I see a whole bunch of people going out and smashing open ATM machines and stealing cash. And there's no cops around to stop us. I'm in. George who? What are you talking about? Floyd? No, I don't know Floyd. Is he coming too? They have no idea. 72 hours ago, the unity that was felt by white and black and all America in our disgust, shock, sadness, and anger at the death of George Floyd was was palpable. Radio shows, television shows, online commentary, we were all shocked. Nobody was defending the police. Nobody, including me. And I have been a steadfast defender of law enforcement, giving them the benefit of the doubt in cases where the doubt uh, exists, and, of course, defending them vociferously in cases where they are completely innocent like they were in the Michael Brown story in Ferguson, Missouri, for example. The Freddie Gray case in Baltimore, Maryland, for example. But I, I have eyes. All reasonable Americans, again, of all colors, saw what we saw, and none of us defended it. 72 hours later... Here we are, that unity gone, and the focus on criminal activity in the name of a murder victim, a name that most of them probably don't even know. You've seen the same videos I've seen. The 3rd Precinct Police Building in Minneapolis last night was overtaken by the rioters, by the criminals, by the thugs who came into the building, chased officers who were not allowed to resist off, and then chased them while they ran, throwing things at them, and then setting fire to the police station. These rioters took over an entire city, and because they were doing it in one city, Rioters and thugs decided, let's get in on this action in our city. And they did it in Columbus, Ohio. Los Angeles, California. They did it in New York City. And they're going to continue doing it because sadly the weekend is upon us and tonight it will be worse than it was last night. Denver, Colorado. All over this country... In big cities, angry criminals used a what was a sad, tragic, unifying event 
in Minneapolis 72 hours ago as a reason to become or to carry out perhaps their pre-motivated criminal acts. Because now the police aren't standing up to us. The police are disappearing. They don't dare try to arrest us. They don't dare try to confront us. Because if they do, we're going to fight. And if they fight back, they use force, then we've got them again. Because this is all about police force. And an extraordinarily unnecessary use of it in Minneapolis. The unity that we had 72 hours ago has been dissipated and has been drowned in a sea of race baiting. Suddenly, blacks and whites and all colors and ethnicities in this gloriously diverse country are on their own, as opposed to being united in condemnation of the murder of George Floyd. Now everybody is on their own because they're screaming, shoot white folk on the streets of Minneapolis. They're pulling people driving cars with Trump stickers on them out of them and beating them. They're attacking people simply for their color. Just assuming that the entire white race is guilty because of what one white officer did to George Floyd. Race baiters in the national media have taken over. Race baiters like Joy Reid. Race baiters like Don Lemon. Race baiters like Chris Cuomo. Race baiters all over the mainstream media. Just assuming that the death of George Floyd was because he's African American. This cop must just hate black guys. He would not have put his knee on the neck of a white guy. Just assuming that. Is there any information indicating that this officer, who clearly killed this man, whether intentionally or not, he intentionally tortured him because he knew he was in extraordinary pain because the man was saying, I can't breathe, I can't feel my neck, I can't breathe. He knew he was torturing the guy. It's a horrible human being. Forget about being a horrible police officer. It's a horrible human being. We all know that. But do we know that the man was a racist? Do we know that the man chose George Floyd, the passer of a counterfeit $20 bill, to be his torture victim because he's black? There's no evidence of that yet. Maybe that's coming. I don't know. But what I do know is that a very, 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 very similar incident occurred in 2016, the video of which was only made available last year in 2019, when a white man, 32 years old, was arrested in Dallas, Texas, who was otherwise under under complete restraint. As a matter of fact, he was more restrained than George Floyd was. His name was Tony Tempe. His, his, he was not only handcuffed, but he had his ankles, his feet zip-tied. He couldn't go anywhere. But they knelt on his back, pressing his torso into the ground for over 14 minutes to the point where he couldn't breathe and his lungs collapsed. 
and he died. Almost an identical situation. And he was a white guy. Had Tony been a black guy in 2016, would the story have been a little bit different? Racism is a scourge on the stain of humanity. I will not just say America, because it exists across the world. And it's not just against Africans or African Americans here in our country. Racism has been practiced. Racism has been made an institution. Slavery has been an institution in nations all across the globe for eons of humanity. It is horrible. It can never be condoned. But it should also not be assumed in every case. Maybe George Floyd's skin color played a role in the officer's decision to keep his knee on his neck, which is awful. Maybe Tony Timpey's uh, uh, race was, was a factor or not in Dallas, Texas with that knee to the back. But what we do know is that the answer to racism, if there is racism, and the answer to police misconduct, if there was police misconduct, and in this case, again, I think 100% of Americans who have seen the video of all colors agree there was police misconduct, excessive force, and quite frankly, the torture that led to the death of this unarmed man. This restrained man. The response to that cannot be to attack and assault innocent people and their property. Nobody is expressing grief over the death of George Floyd by stealing big screen TVs from a smashed Target store. Nobody is mourning the passing of George Floyd by setting fires to police stations. Nobody is expressing their extreme dismay and grief for the family by smashing open ATMs at U.S. Bank and stealing the money held within. Nobody is honoring the memory and the legacy of the man at the center of all of this by going out there and creating a new, larger group of victims. Crime victims. But that's exactly what is being done. I have one guest who's going to be on the program today. It's going to be uh, Steve Moore, former economic advisor to President Trump. I'm going to keep that guest because he's hard to get. And we do need to talk about the economic plight of this country and the potential for rebound um, after the, you know, the COVID-19 responses have devastated the economy. So we're going to talk to him at 935. But beyond that, I have canceled all of our other guests today so that I can just give you a chance to be heard on what happened in Minneapolis and what is happening now in Minneapolis and Columbus and New York and L.A. and Denver and on and on and on down the list. And over the course of this weekend, you know it's only going to get worse. I want to hear from you. All vantage points, 216-901-0945, The Bob France Authority.
right, it's 926. We continue on AM 1420. The answer, I just got a Facebook message saying, all I want to know is what led to George Floyd being arrested in the first place? And that answer, most people know, and I'll tell you in case you don't. That's what makes this so egregious. His arrest was for passing a $20 counterfeit bill. That's it. Nonviolent crime. Man was not resisting arrest. Was handcuffed. Still can't figure out why he wasn't placed in the back of the car instead of being put on the ground with the knee in his neck. That was torture, and it led to death, which makes it murder. It was unnecessary over a $20 counterfeit bill, a nonviolent crime. I don't get that. But that's the reason. Just so you know, that's the reason. John and Chardon, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Go right ahead, John. Yeah. Uh, since Columbus is one of the cities uh, where the dis- destruction um, took place, it'd yeah. be interesting to see what our slow-mo governor has to say say about it and what he's going to do about it. He's going to stand up to it. Yeah, I'm sure he'll address it at two o'clock today as part of his briefing of, on the on the uh, coronavirus. But uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. What can you say? Yeah, I hope. Well, here's what I hope. <laughs> Because President Trump called for this yesterday, and then finally the governor of Minnesota did call in 500 National Guardsmen, not nearly enough, by the way, in Minneapolis for what's going on there. They're going to have to call up thousands. If this gets out of hand again tonight, which I expect it will in a lot of cities, and maybe not just Columbus, maybe in Cleveland, God forbid, maybe in Cincinnati or Toledo, the other big cities, I don't know. But if this does become anywhere near what it is in Minneapolis, I hope Governor DeWine... um, uh, is is you know willing and and smart enough to call the national guard to keep the peace or to try to try to limit the damage? I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, well, your your guest yesterday, Pete Hextiff, pointed out the the cities that uh, you know uh, have good control and strong police forces. They're not the ones that are being being attacked. So. Well, you know, here here's the thing about being a strong police force, John. And thanks for the call. Here's here's the tough part of that. Um, you can't ask your police officers to be strong right now. They, I mean, seriously, even when they attack the police precinct, if cops in riot gear go in full force with, you know, rubber bullets and God forbid it's more than rubber bullets, but rubber bullets and, 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 uh, you know, uh, batons and, and, and shields and so on and so forth and start, physically resisting the attacks of the rioters, they are going to be the ones who look like the militaristic thugs who are continuing to perpetuate their excessive force on, on, on you know, defenseless people. Now, even though they wouldn't be defenseless, they would be the ones doing the attacking, but that's how the narrative would go, because they don't have riot gear, et cetera, et cetera. So police are in an almost impossible situation here. If they push back and fight back and stop the assaults and the the vandalism and the destruction and the looting, uh, then they look even worse. So they're kind of torn between what do we do, and that's the reason why the National Guard needs to be called in. The National Guard has been called in in a limited capacity in Minnesota, and more needs to happen. We're going to get a timeout. Speaking of more, Steve Moore, the uh, former uh, economic advisor to the President of the United States, is going to be joining us next on 1420 The Answer. 35, we continue now on AM 1420, The Answer. Appreciate you being with us again. We'll get back to your phone calls on the, uh, I can't even use the word unrest. I mean, let's be honest. It's chaos. It's uh, it's extraordinary violence. It's rioting. Uh, it's not protesting. It's not demonstrating. 
it is not just unrest. It is uh, inconceivable, quite frankly. And we'll talk more about that after we pivot just a little bit and uh, get back to the issue of the economic collapse of this country uh, due to the response of the coronavirus and the uh, reticence of some governors in certain colored states, meaning blue-colored states, to get uh, America back to working again or get their states back to working again, perhaps for political reasons. Joining us to talk about it now is Stephen Moore. Stephen Moore is back with us. He is a senior fellow at the Heritage Foundation, also the co-author of Trumponomics, Inside of the America First Plan to Revive the American Economy, and he is a former advisor, economic advisor to the president. Uh, Mr. Moore, good to have you back on the program here. How are you, sir? Hi, good morning. By the way, I just want to say one quick thing about the, these uh, these protests that are going on. And obviously, yes, sir. That, that was an absurd, um, uh, it was a horrible thing that that, that happened to this, uh, to this uh, gentleman. But, I, but, you know, we have 40 million people unemployed right now in this country. 40 million people have lost their jobs. We're seeing thousands and thousands and thousands, millions of people's lives uh, ruined by this insane lockdown of our economies. Why aren't we seeing people out? And by the way, people are protesting, but there should be millions of people protesting about what our governments are doing to our people, our livelihoods, our lives, with these absurd uh, restrictions on our economic activity and our private liberties. I, I wish that we would see more protests on that, because that is the central problem in America today, that we are paying a very, very heavy price for this. You know, I'm glad you brought that up, Steve, because um, here in Ohio, I can tell you there have been many, many protests at the Capitol and in, in various counties uh, around Ohio to try to get Mike DeWine to undo some of the damage that he and his health director have done. And they are always peaceful. They're, these are literal demonstrations. These are yeah. literal protests in which, you know, this is what we demand. We wave flags, we carry signs, yeah. and we don't block traffic, and we certainly don't smash windows. And, and, and you know, speak to this, too, if you great. could. Well, well let me finish point. this point, and then was, uh, let me, yeah, let me ask you another question, Stephen, and, and speak to both of them. I was going to say, okay. I was in Chicago this weekend uh, where we, we I, I was participating in one of those very kind of protests you're talking about. People were waving the flag. They were acting very responsibly. You, Every American has a right to, uh, to uh, seek redress from government injustice. No question mm-hmm. about it. It's just you cannot use violence do so right. and that's what i've got to and and it's just so counterproductive this was the other point i wanted you to speak on steve is that you know in in columbus ohio in well let's see the ones off the top of my head los angeles yesterday denver new york obviously minneapolis st paul in all of these places they are suffering as you pointed out among the 40 million lost jobs what does smashing target up do what does smashing all of the other businesses do it closes them so more people are unemployed more people can't go to their jobs because these places have been destroyed and they're going to do the weekend is upon us so friday night saturday night i can only expect more of that they're just adding to the economic and and financial calamity that so many people face no i mean i think that's a great point i never really understood the the idea of uh, looting you know stores and things like that in, in your own neighborhoods because you're just destroying the economic livelihoods of the people who, who live among you but, look, the, the main thing that's going on with respect to the economy right now is mm-hmm. we have a blue state and red state America divide, where red states across America are opening up and they are uh, back to business. Uh, you know, in, I think, 35 states now, restaurants are open. I don't know about in Ohio, but, and by the way, not in the Washington, D.C. area where I live, but in the, especially in the red states. Like, 
Florida and Georgia and uh, states like South Carolina and states like Texas and Tennessee and Iowa and Nebraska and Idaho. Those states are all opening up. And then you've got these states like New York and you've got states like uh, New Jersey and Connecticut and Michigan and Pennsylvania. Ohio's not quite as bad as Michigan and Pennsylvania, but I've been quite disappointed with the governor uh, for, for you know keeping this lockdown in effect as long as he has. Um, but this is impoverishing our own uh, our own citizens. And and again, I don't want to keep going back to these protests, but I think part of the, the protests are a result of people being locked up for the last six and eight weeks. I mean, people go stir-crazy. They get angry. They get frustrated. And I think that uh, that this, this is a colossal mistake we have made. I think maybe one of the greatest mistakes in American history, what we've done in the last eight weeks, when you look at the carnage, economic carnage we've imposed on our own, uh, on our own people. Uh, Steve, I could not agree more. Steve Moore is our guest. He is the former economic advisor for President Donald J. Trump. Uh, and, and you know what's frustrating to me about it is when they start to reopen various segments of the economy and businesses and so on and so forth, they act as if they're magnanimous, as if they're doing you a huge favor, the yeah. generosity. We are giving you the privilege of opening up your business again, but you better follow the rules and there better not be a spike or we're going to take it away from you again. Steve, I, I still don't understand this from a constitutional perspective, let alone from a Hey, look at the economic damage you're doing. This is going to take decades to get uh, to get ourselves out from underneath. And each week and each month that they allow it to continue, I think it adds more years to the recovery. You're exactly right. So every day that uh, that the lockdowns continue, the uh, the the economic damage cascades. In other words, it's more than linear; it goes up. More and more businesses failure. I mentioned being in Chicago this past weekend on Memorial Day. And uh, it was, it was, you know, I'm from Chicago, so I, I'm a little biased. I think Chicago is one of the great cities in the world, and it is, it is so devastating to walk down the streets of Michigan Avenue or State State Street and see all the all the businesses boarded up. The ghost town. It was like a scene out of a, a sci-fi movie. I'm sure you know cities in Ohio are the same way. Sure. And that that it, you're right. It's I don't know if it's going to take decades, but it will take years. It will take years to undo the damage. I think a lot of these great cities, I don't think Manhattan's going to, it might take a decade for Manhattan to come back. It could take a decade for Chicago, Los Angeles, San Francisco uh, to come back from the, from these. We took a, a an act of nature, which was this virus, and we turned it into a act of man by shutting down things in ways that were not very smart. All right. we needed to do, all we needed to do, folks, I know, I know people, oh, but people are dying, of course, it's a horrible disease, I'm not, all we needed to do, if we just kept the nursing home safe at one one-hundredth of the cost, we would have saved more lives than from the shutdown. That is such a very important point here. And, and, and let me ask you this, because you, you know, you're talking about a decade or whether it's years or a decade. Um, if it ended right now, if everything opened, and by the way, everything opening isn't really everything opening because number one, many of the businesses that were forced to close are closed permanently because they went That's bankrupt right. during this time. That's number one. That's and right. number two, businesses that open at 25 to 50, 50% capacity are not going to be making money. They're still going That's to right. be losing yep. money, particularly in razor thin profit margin industries like the restaurant right. industry. So, yep. but, but even if it all reopened now, Steve, you know, we're talking maybe a decade, but here's my question for you is, Will it, or are they going to, especially in those blue states, ride this out through November or at least to November because they, they know that this can do damage to the Trump reelection chances? If it goes on another five months, I, I don't think there's any question it's going to be a decade or more. Yeah, oh, I, I agree with you, and it can't, it can't. But you do see some 
insane mayors like the mayor of Los Angeles saying another two or three months. And can you imagine, by the way, keeping Los Angeles shut down for another two or three months? I mean, there won't be a Los Angeles to come back to at that point. And you think there are riots, you know, you think these are bad riots now that we're seeing in some of these cities as a result of the, of that police officer's action. Wait until you try to keep these cities locked down in the heat of the summer. Uh, people can't go outside. So uh, we just got to look the simple, the two things, two takeaways right now, folks. One, never, 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 never again. Never again should we lock down our economy. This was a failed liberal experiment. It did not work, uh, and, it, and it has caused great pain and suffering. And probably, I'm not even going to argue, we've probably lost more lives in the long term from shutting down the economy than we have saved from shutting down the economy. But the other point I think we need to make is you, you make the point about, you know, what are people going to look at in, in, in November? I think what they're going to see is red state America opened up for business and getting back on their feet and blue state America struggling. States like New York and Illinois and Connecticut and Michigan struggling. And Donald Trump is just going to have to make the look. Do you want America to look more, more like New York or do you want to make it look, look more like Florida? By the way, Florida, New York, here's an amazing stat. Florida and New York have roughly the same population. About 20 million people live in each of those two states. Um, Florida has an older population than New York because, of course, Florida is where people go to retire. Right. Uh, and yet, New York, you know this, New York has five times more deaths than Florida. And Florida is open for business, and New York isn't. That's an amazing thing. And, 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 and of course, DeSantis, Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, took all kinds of heat while Andrew Cuomo oh, yeah. got all kinds yeah. of praise, and he's the one who made the decisions that has New York in the state it's in right now and led to the deaths of countless way, numbers seen, of, of, it, uh, of people both, in nursing homes. Both Ron DeSantis, the Florida governor, and the governor of uh, Georgia, Kemp, uh, both opened up their economies three or four weeks ago. And you're, you just said something really important. Remember the headlines, the New York Times, the Washington Post, on CNN. These governors have blood on their hands. They're going to kill their own people. And yet what's happened is Florida and Georgia actually have a bigger reduction in death rates than these blue states. Now, have you seen any apologies from the media? Oh, of course not. The media, first of all, being a liberal means never having to say you're sorry, and especially if you're a member of the liberal media. Yeah, that's that's just... That's just the reality of it. Uh, l- let me ask you, uh, if I can, we're talking to Steve Moore, former economic advisor to the president, and uh, uh, this this idea of another aid package. In fact, there's two things here. Um, the extension of unemployment benefits and the increase, as you know, uh, has led to a lot of people uh, not wanting to go back to their jobs. They're making more on unemployment than they were in their salaries. So yesterday, or I believe it was Wednesday, Rob Portman, a senator here from Ohio, uh, proposed a $450 work incentive payment to those who do go back to their jobs get off unemployment at 600 a week and we'll pay you another 450 a week just to go back to your job i don't know how long that would last so my question to you is how much government assistance is enough and appropriate like that or how much is too much do we need another round of stimulus checks to everybody not talking about nancy's crazy socialist dream uh but but uh, just another round of stimulus so a couple things about that first of all okay. we cannot we must not ever bail out the blue states because if you do you look at the actions of governor you know pritzker of illinois and governor cuomo and uh in uh, new york and governor murphy and in um in the uh in new jersey and each one of them have shuttered their entire economy obviously their tax revenues are going to be cut in half right because no, so few businesses are operating and you wonder how how can they do something that stupid for their own people and the fact is they believe 
that at the end of the year, Washington's going to write them, you know, a, a $50 billion check for all the damage they've caused. And no, no, no. Look, I believe in federalism. If, if New York wants to stay shut down, if they want to, you know, elect an idiot like Andrew Cuomo as their governor, that's their right as a citizen of New York. But then don't come to Washington, D.C. and expect a bailout check for your own stupid actions of the people that you elected. And that's exactly, in other words, what I'm saying is for Congress to actually bail them out is to enable them. That's, this is enabling, enabling these governors to keep their states shut down. So we cannot bail Great out point. states. It's not fair to the people who in, in the states that act responsibly, like Texas and Tennessee and Florida. Why should they have to pay taxes for the Illinois uh, you know, uh, pension system? That's number one. Number two, I love Rob Portman. He's one of my favorite senators. He's a great friend. I, I, I think the guy has really done Ohio proud. I, I have some disagreement with him on this particular issue. I know his heart is in the right place because he does want to get Ohioans back on the job and incentivize that uh, by giving people a little bit of bonus to go back. But my point is, let's get rid of these, you know, absurdly high unemployment uh, benefits. Because I talk to people every single day, employers, who say, you know, we have 40 million people unemployed, and yet how crazy is this? Employers can't get people back to work. Because, because we set up a system in Washington, this is the stupidity of government, we're paying for more people a larger amount than they would get from a paycheck, so they are staying unemployed. I mean, economics is all about incentives, so get rid of those benefits. I'm also a big fan of, of we should get rid of the payroll tax for the rest of the year, eliminate the payroll tax. That gives every single worker in America a 7.5% pay raise starting June 1st. That'll get people back on the job. Great point. And, uh, Steve, I'm going to ask you one other question before you go, if I can. Um, Jason Furman. By the Furman, way, do you agree with me on the blue state bailout? Oh, 100%. Hundred percent, absolutely right. If you give them, if you bail them out, first of all, before COVID ever hit, uh, so many of these uh, uh, states were irresponsibly underwater right. with respect to unfunded pensions and more. Yep. No, we yep. cannot bail them out because they've run themselves into the ground. And now, as you said, it would incentivize them to continue to stay locked down yep. if we're going to bail them out with federal tax. Hundred percent, absolutely. Um, last question is is about Jason Furman, chair of the Council of Economic Advisors under President Obama. I just read this yesterday that in early April, he told a group in a speech that they are to be prepared because, quote, we are about to see the best economic data we've seen in the history of this country. He predicts a massive increase uh, in the economy and uh, rebound from what we're dealing with right now uh, leading up to October, quote, and then toward the end of October, we will get GDP growth for the third quarter at an annualized rate that could be double-digit positive economic growth. There will be the best jobs and growth numbers ever. He assumes reopening of course, uh, across the country, and a second wave of coronavirus does not prompt major lockdowns. If those ha- things happen, he said it's going to be enormous, the recovery. Do you see the same thing, Steve Moore, or do you see something t- totally different? Well, not qu- I'm not quite as rosy uh, about the, you know, the immediate future of the economy. Uh, you know, it's, it's almost like saying, you know, if you had 106 uh, temperature, and then all of a sudden, you know, I'd said to you, well, that's okay, because next week you'll only have 104 temperature. You know, just think how much better you're going to feel. No, this is going to be a horrible summer. We're going to see a, the second quarter of this year, which ends um, in June, that quarter will see about a 30 to 35 percent contraction in our economy. Think about that. That is, that is the most devastating number. <laughs> We've never seen anything like that in the history of the United States, a 30 to 35 percent decline in our economy. And again, it was a, it was a political 
you know, this is a this is not the virus. This is the lockdown of the economy by our politicians. Exactly. Now we are going to see a spring back. We are going to see a spring back, no question about it, in the third quarter. But but we're let's see, we're going to be up ten or fifteen percent. We're still you know we're still down, you know, fifteen to twenty percent. So it's going to be. We look, folks. I don't want to sugarcoat this. These but but I think what he meant, though, Steve, if I may, is that that spring back, though, could, you know, while it certainly won't it get could. us back to above it water, could. would it be enough of an indication that things yeah. are being healed under the president? Things that are being. Yeah, this yeah, is an Obama yeah, yeah, advisor. Yeah, yeah. That's what makes this important to me. This is an Obama advisor yeah. predicting this rebound. No, you're, I agree with that point. And in other words, look, this election that's coming up in November, obviously, I, I worked for the president. I was, uh, I was, uh, I'm on his economic recovery task force. I think he's an amazing president. Uh, it's going to come down to one issue. Who do you think can better re- handle the economic recovery for our country, Donald Trump or Joe Biden? Look, in my opinion, that's not an easy, uh, that's not a uh, hard question to answer. I mean, anybody who gets that one wrong has to go back to the third grade. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious that that Donald Trump, the businessman, uh, who's already proven that he's been able to rebuild our economy from the Obama years, uh, can do it again. And I think that's his strongest argument for re-election. Former uh, Trump uh, economic advisor Steve Moore on AM 1420, The Answer. Steve, thanks so much for the time. Great insight and analysis on all of this. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Have a great weekend. Soon. Take care. Thank you. God bless. All right, 952. We'll take a quick time out. We'll try to come back in and get a call or two before the top of the hour. But if you don't get on before the top, do not fret. I canceled our other two interviews for the second hour today before we came on the air so that we would have time for you to sound off on what's going on around this country, the violence, the riots, the fires, the assaults, etc., in response to the horrific killing of George Floyd in Minnesota. So I do want to hear from you. The rest of the show is yours on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 9.56, as we continue on AM 1420, The Answer. As I noted, we are guest-free the rest of the way. I wanted to clear out the uh, segments to give you an opportunity to speak on everything that's going on in the country today. I mean, it's just the... I don't know how much worse 2020 could get. And I don't mean to be a pessimist. I really don't. Uh, I'm normally not. I, I see a lot of the, the bright side of things. But boy, oh boy, in the middle of this uh, coronavirus, which is terrible, the middle of the response to the coronavirus by our elected officials, which was worse than the virus, now we have this massive race war breaking out in uh, cities all over the country over one police officer's extraordinary, it appears, And again, we do have to remember there is due process in this country. But from what it appears, this extraordinarily uh, excessive use of torture force on the neck of a guy pleading to be able to breathe, uh, leading to his death, um, simply inconceivable. I just don't know how much worse it gets. I really don't. Uh, BJ is in North Olmstead on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, BJ. Go ahead, sir. Thank you, Bill. Uh, this situation that's going on in these writings, if you notice, it is a mixed group. There's a lot of white people involved in it as well. And I've kind of concluded from the observation of all this is the anger that has been perpetrated upon uh, or, or that is being shown by the public has been the perpetration because of all this confusion that's been going on in decision-making and locking people in. So it's a combination any fuse that's going to set off, any kind of rioting is going to happen. And this incident had to be a major focus because it was there, it was seen, 
and people are angry about being treated that way. So I think the overall reaction from the general public, even if we were all the same race, these riots would be breaking out today because you can't mess with people's lives like they have messed with the American public's life in the last three months. And the public is no longer going to put up with this political crap from politicians making all these crazy decisions. It's an awakening time. We have to become aware of that. For those that believe in the spiritual world, this is a spiritual awakening, not just a political awakening. And I hope we talk more about what people are thinking than politicians are thinking in the next month or so. Before this month is going to be over, just a few days, look at what the month of May has brought upon the public. It is an awakening time. I also called yesterday to, to have you look up Obama's speech in Germany. It's very important if you can find that speech and how he condemned the thinking of the American public and not capable of making decisions. This gives you an idea of what that Socialist Party thinks about us. Thanks for your time, and have a wonderful weekend, and God bless your listeners. Thank you, BJ. Yeah, thank you, BJ. I appreciate the phone call. As far as the um, mixed, um, the diverse uh, makeup of the 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 riders and the protesters, I I really don't want to use the word protesters, the riders, um, you may be right that it may be just people of all colors and and all over America are just on edge. And uh, Steve Moore made the same point because of the lockdown and because of everything that's going on in their lives, because of the poverty that is being created by closing businesses and ending jobs. It may be. I I don't know if I agree, though. Uh, my, My mind tells me that these are just bad people looking for reasons to do bad things. Uh, black people, white people, Hispanic people, I don't care what the mix is out there, anybody that is out there committing these acts of violence, smashing windows, setting fires, attacking cars, stealing money, stealing goods, this it's not just, hey, we're frustrated and we're angry because we've been on lockdown and because of what's going on with COVID and, uh, and everything else. These are because, you know what, I'm frustrated and angry and I'm not going out there and committing violent acts. Um, I think that's just the nature of bad people. There are good people and there are bad people. Uh, that police officer is a bad human being. And those people that are out there stealing and robbing and attacking and assaulting, they're bad people too. I don't care what color they are, they're bad people. And I'm not going to give them the escape of saying, yeah, but we've been locked down for a while and we're all stressed. No, no, stress doesn't lead to that. Uh, evil, in, evil intentions leads to that. Next hour coming up on AM. 